This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning. It's Monday. It's the morning break, and I'm Tabitha McIntosh here to expose which fictional children the teachers of Edu Twitter would least like to see in their classrooms. Dance along to the music, people. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello again, people. So yesterday I asked Edu Twitter uh, which fictional characters from literature they would least like to see in their classrooms, and Edu Twitter exploded with very fervent responses, which we will get to just as soon as we've listened to the education news with Gail Glenn. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Scotsman reports that Scotland is to benefit from one of the strongest networks for the delivery of financial education to young people, with approval now granted for Young Enterprise Scotland to take on a wide-reaching venture helping school leavers to manage money. Evidence was submitted to the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Financial Education for Young People that more than half of UK teenagers have struggled with debt before their 17th birthday and more than two-thirds of young people lack the confidence to plan their financial future. Youth Enterprise Scotland will take on the delivery of CIFIT's programmes to S6 pupils across 250 schools after the Stuart Ivory Financial Education Trust decided to pass on its expertise to an organisation with greater resources. Youth Enterprise Scotland Chief Executive Jeff Leask describes the tie-up as a game-changer. He said the CIFIT resources and depth of reach add significant value to our portfolio of resources. The prospect now exists to implement a new blended financial education model of delivery that ensures that financial educations are not delivered in isolation, but through a more holistic approach that achieves a greater impact in the long term. Wales is set to become the first UK nation to make the teaching of black, Asian and minority ethnic histories and experiences mandatory in the school curriculum. The new curriculum for Wales guidance is due to be signed off next month, but the announcement coincides with the start of Black History Month. The new curriculum is set to be introduced in September 2022 and includes six areas of learning. 
Education Minister Jeremy Miles said, It is vitally important that our education system equips our young people to understand and respect their own and each other's histories, cultures and traditions. Today's announcement will enrich the new curriculum and therefore teaching in Wales for years to come. The announcement was welcomed by trade unions. Mike Payne, GMB senior organiser said, it's excellent news that this part of Welsh history is finally being recognised and put on the curriculum. This has been your daily education news briefing. One of the sponsors of this show is Oxford University Press. If you need support with your phonics teaching, Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you. Read Write Incorporated Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. To find out more about these programmes and receive support from your OUP expert local educational consultant, visit www.oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Once more, that's www.oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Right, now back to our show. Um, as I said, I had an explosion of answers from Twitter when I said, who are the fictional children you would least like to have in your classroom? Um, it turns out teachers have been loathing fictional children for their entire lives, and they were only waiting for a catalyst that would allow that loathing to explode. So from uh, Jenny Griffiths, I'm going to shout out to everyone who mentioned people here. From Jenny Griffiths, we have Leo from The Go-Between, which was an A-level standard. And uh, that A-level teachers who despise the fictional children in the subjects that they're forced to teach comes up quite a lot. Bryony from Atonement is heartily despised by Gwen, Heidi, and any other teacher unlucky enough to be forced to deliver that text at Key Stage 5. Um, Bill Wilkinson, Wilkinson nominates Adrian Mole for the inevitable whining and distraction, um, to which, Zoe added Pandora would be quite unbearable to teach, and she's not wrong. English tutor Mary made me cackle out loud with her comment on the boy in the striped pajamas. Here we go. Bruno, imagine a nine-year-old in wartime Germany totes ignorant of Hitler. Unteachable. And I'm with English tutor Mary on that. Uh, Joe Shubrick says, horrid Henry, no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Nominative determinism is real, you guys. If someone, if a character is called Horrid Henry, it's a fair guess they're going to be horrid. So to some extent, I'm going to disallow the overtly horrible ones. We know they're horrible. They're supposed to be horrible. What else have you got for us? Um, Catherine C, for example, suggests John Reed from Jane Eyre, who is a thoroughly awful child um, who deserves all manner of clobberings that he gets from his cousin Jane. But I suggest we pause on our Jane for a minute there and consider just how easy she would be to have in class. Sure, she's the main character of a beloved book, uh, Reader I Married Him, Reader I Loved It, Reader I've Read It multiple times, but she's also that student who only wants to read about unicorns. You know the one, she's probably in year seven. She can never complete a writing task once she's in 
year 9, 10 or 11 without turning it into genre fiction. No matter how many times you tell her that the exam board will knock 50% off her marks if she doesn't write realistic teenage writing. Um, and this is my evidence. She picks up a book, Samuel Johnson's Rasselas, and I saw nothing about fairies, nothing about genii, no bright variety seems spread over the closely printed pages. Jane, this is a geography lesson. There's no genies in geography. Uh, Patrick Cragg confused me when he nominated the bloody child from Macbeth because I assumed he meant Macduff's son, who I'll come to in a minute. But no, no, as he says, I meant your lad dripping blood and rising up out of a cauldron. Imagine the disruption to period five English. Oh, or maybe that girl who crawls out of a well and out through your smart board in the ring. But I'd like to go back to Macbeth's son, Macduff's son for a, for a second there. You know, all his pretty chicks gone in one fell swoop. Tragic scene with Lady Macduff and, uh, and the infant Macduff, Macduff Jr. Um, having some odd banter in the castle before they're about to die. And I put it to you that Macduff's son deserves every bit of the butchering he gets for the crime of terrible sexualized banter about his mother's dating prospects. Why? How is that reasonable? Plus, he says, I am slain, which just seems redundant when you're dying. Not not useful, child. Save your contributions to class for, for something less obvious. Um, Zoe Ensa added fleance. But uh, as irritating as fleance might be, and, and the world of Shakespeare's children is full of irritating little swine, um, it's his Keith Chegwin incarnation that particularly ghouls Zoe and many other teachers too. So he's in the bin and we wouldn't want him in class. Um, Mr. Murphy amused me enormously by observing that Lyra from his dark materials would clearly be a school refuser, to which I would add, or she would hide in the staff kitchen cupboard in order to glean and instrumentalise gossip. And to which Mr. Murphy went away, thought about that and added, the few days she does come in will be spent chasing her around the building, trying to get her to stay in lessons. It would just imagine the number of emails you're getting throughout the course of the day about if anybody's seen Lyra and the briefings in the staff room in the morning about when not to let Lyra out of class under any circumstances. The poor head of year explaining that Lyra has a ticket that she has to show when she can leave class and she has been let out of class again. Just a nightmare. <coughs> None of you um, suggested Amy March in Little Women in terms of deeply unlikable characters, but... Um, I'm thinking of her habit of bringing banned food items to class, in particular pickled limes, which A, sound disgusting, quite frankly, B, sound weirdly soggy, and I feel like they would leak all over everything in her bag, and then she'd have to get everything out of her bag and be like, Miss, can I dry it on the radiator? Will it dry though, Miss? And uh, you know, you know exactly that student. Um, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure that all of the little women girls would be unbearable to have in class. Meg? just checking her eye makeup all the time. Um, Joe, no, I love Joe, but I, I just can't forgive Joe for the trajectory she goes in, so I'm throwing her in the seat too. And also Beth, sorry, not sorry, Beth is unbearable. Admit it, you all feel the same way. Birds in their little nests agree, said Beth, the peacemaker. Shut it, Beth, beef is going on and I want to hear the beef. Um, Professor Megan Crawford and Chris Duran both nominated Just William who is a deeply irritating key stage three child straight from central casting, really. Um, I feel like if he existed now, he would be called an Alfie. You can always tell with the Alfies. Um, Daniel Phillips and Zoe Enser 
nominated all of the famous five. Now, Zoe is a vegan, so I thought it was important to clarify with her, do you also mean Timmy the dog? And she said, yes, Timmy would be awful too. So I thought we could, our first extract of the day, we'll look at um, the opening of book three of Five Run Away Together with a particular focus on Julian, the oldest boy, singled out by Martin Galway and a couple of other people as particularly vile. So I believe we're about three pages in. The, the other children have come to visit George and, and George's family. And it's really the world represented here I'd like us to think about whether or not we want these children in class and how they would treat us. The three children did not very much like George's father because he could get into very fierce tempers. And though he welcomed the three cousins to his house, he did not really care for children. So they always felt a little awkward with him and were glad when he was not there. Well, that, that's a safeguarding concern. So obviously, you know, I'm not going to blame the children for the fact that I need to monitor their lives for, for you know, cruelty and neglect. Father's all right, said George cheerfully, only he's worried about mother. He doesn't seem to notice her much when she's well and cheerful, but he gets awfully upset if anything goes wrong with her. So be a bit careful of him at the moment. You know what he's like when he's worried. This is our first indication that, that George is a psychopath. Is George worried about her mother? Is George thinking about coming to the teacher about the frankly abusive situation going on in the home? No, she's not. She's taking it for granted and she's replicating the conditions. Mal CPD is saying, I detested little women. Uh, well, I loved Joe, Mal, except then she married that old German man. Why? I just, it, I've never felt so betrayed by a book in my life. Frankly, I wasn't so sad that Beth died as I was tragically heartbroken that Joe married Professor, what's his name, Bauer. Um, right, so we're at George, sociopath. Joe was cool until she got married and she cut her hair off. Uh, the children did know Uncle Quentin was best avoided when things went wrong but not even the thought of a cross uncle could damp them today. They were on holiday. They were going to Kirin Cottage. They were by the sea and there was dear old Timothy beside them and fun of all kinds in store for them. Shall we go to Kirin Island, George? asked Anne. Do let's. We haven't been there since last summer. The weather was too bad in the winter and Easter holidays. Now it's gorgeous. Of course we'll go, said George, her blue eyes shining. Do you know what I thought? I thought it would be marvellous to go and stay there for a whole week by ourselves we are older now, and I'm sure Mother would let us. Well, of course Mother's going to let you, George. She's being emotionally and possibly physically abused by your father, and you don't seem to care except as an excuse to be able to knob off down your island that you apparently own. Go and stay on 